0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching.
1: Every year during the season of Advent at Awaken, we invite an artist and a writer to contribute something to our service on Sundays. So I'm the artist. Uh, Micah had asked me to do a painting on love <clears throat> And in my own practice, I do a lot of um, work around spirituality and the church and kind of messages that I have received from the church or just my experiences with spirituality in general over the years. And so I kind of base this painting off of some things that I've been working on. And I think a lot of us um, just in relationships, loving relationships, whether they're romantic or family or whatever, Most of us are pretty familiar with heartbreak as well. Um, Sometimes those things seem to go hand in hand. And that was a lot of what I was working through at the time that Micah asked me to do this. And so my painting, I started out, I have these large six-by-four-foot paintings that I'm doing where it's just me repeating phrases over and over and over um, that are phrases taken from Scripture but that reflect what I have been made to feel about scripture or been told things about myself or things that I feel. Um, And so the first thing that I put on this painting was the phrase, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. I think a lot of us have, in those relationships, those moments where we kind of feel that way. And so I put that on there and was just writing it over and over, kind of like a meditative thing that we just dwell on and that feeling that I've just carried with me for a long time. Then I washed over it. And then the next thing that I wrote in this other painting that I was working on is the phrase, they beat me, they bruised me, they took away my veil. And I think a lot more of us can relate to that maybe than we let on sometimes. Uh, And so that was the next thing that I just wrote over and over because, like I said, these are things that I for a long time in my life, have just held with me things that have hurt me through the church or things that I've learned and just carry those things with me for a really long time. And when I was asked to do something on love, I couldn't think of anything. I was like, how do you paint love? And so I started by painting heartbreak and things that I've gone through that have just broken me. Um, And so then, when I was thinking about love, and again, thinking about this idea of repeating and meditating and just repeating those things to ourselves, I think, especially during this season, we're very often reminded to love others, be charitable, love, show that love. But I think sometimes we forget to show that same love to ourselves, and we're very critical and harsh and could always be better or more. And when I was thinking about love, I just thought, just kind of came to my head, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when I thought about that and what that really meant, you know, the Word was with God and the Word was God and all of these things, and then all of a sudden the Word becomes flesh and dwelt among us. To me, that hit me in a very new way that the God of the universe, the God who is entitled to all things, made all things, chose to kind of not become less God, but surrender this aspect to become human and become something that we are to show how much he loved us and to be able to form a way for us to have relationship with him just kind of blew me away that the God who is everything would choose to become something so simple as a person just out of love. And when I thought about that... When I just thought about that, I was just like, these hurts and these things that I hold and that I carry are things that people have said or have done. And I've chosen to take those things internally and just make them part of my identity. But when I think about love, the word became flesh before any of those people spoke in my life. And God showed this tremendous act of love before I was even here. And so then I just started writing. The word became flesh and dwelt among us because that's the thing that I need to meditate on. And that's the thing that forms who I am is this great tremendous unspeakable act of love. So I just invite you to be thinking about that as you look at my work and then I'd like to invite Kaylee up to read
2: I carry your blood pumping machine, yes, bleak and sputtering, but still working. This piece here, this chamber, stale from misuse or no use or both, was meant to be filled with breath, with literature, with irises absorbing bright constellations. With a fingertip drawing circles onto the back of your hand. Yours echoes. So here is your steady tribute of sun against a rose window and the wonder you seek. I carry your heart. The chasm is only a memory. Awaken. I invite you to consider the arrival of love.
0: Would you guys thank Kaylee and Renee with me for... Yeah, I love this series. Every year uh, that we have done it, it's sort of become a tradition around this time of year, mostly because I love to hear the other voices in this community and uh, also... It's most of the art in my house (laughs) has come from uh, the Advent Art Series. So we're just going to keep doing this so long as we need to keep adding art to our house. Uh, But in all seriousness, excuse me. Um, each of the pieces that uh, are are offered for Advent this year um, will be displayed through Christmas Eve, and uh, those are for sale if you are interested. Um, We love to support artists and their work, and so um, if that is something that you would like to do, just go ahead and um, do that before I get to it and um, you should be fine. Um, and also we, 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 we take a, a word, so love, joy, peace, hope are kind of the four traditional words of Advent, and then we've added a word each year to kind of tell and look at the Christmas story through a lens, if you will. Last year was home, and this year the word for Christmas Eve is beginnings, uh, which I have been thinking about for a, a very long time. I'm, I'm excited about that. So um, I want to begin this morning uh, because uh, you know writing sermons on love is really easy. <clears throat> something that I do all the time. Uh, you know, love is this gigantic. It's it's quite possibly the largest idea known to humans, and so to boil it down into a few short ideas or thoughts is sort of a a, a, a large task. Uh, I, I've tried to do that. Um, I want to begin. Uh, in Advent, and a good friend of mine, Steve, is writing a book, and he wrote this about Advent, and I figured I would just read this because um, he could say it, he said it better than I could, so he says this, I'm writing this chapter as Advent has just begun, the time when people all over the world light candles and wait in the dark for hope to come. Where I live, Advent is accompanied by bone-chilling cold and darkness, so I like to think we get extra credit, but hundreds of years ago, An annual rhythm was created for the church to remember who they are in the story of God so that when we get lost, we have a compass to find our way back home. The church calendar begins with Advent, a season of waiting for the arrival of hope and light. Advent means arrival, and on Christmas Day, we celebrate that arrival. It's a beginning. It's a bright and hopeful one after long years of waiting. But for four long weeks in Advent, we wait. I love that the people of God begin their year not with celebration, but waiting and hoping and longing because this is how we spend most of our lives. Lately, the story of God seems to be taken; uh, seems to have been taken hostage by hucksters who want you to believe that it's only fullness and only light that should characterize the people of God, as if they're selling a pop tune with power chords and a great hook, all light all the time, but it's overproduced, and we cringe when we hear the auto-tuning. It's full without being empty it's light without darkness and so during advent we light candles because we wait in darkness there's something striking about a dark room lit simply by a flickering candle the interplay of light and dark is a song played in a minor key full of mystery with only vague hints of hope it's empty and it's full So we begin Advent, the season in the church calendar, which is a way for us to remember and not forget, or when we get lost, to come back to a place of space and time that we mark uh, specially. So love, um, you know, the, the source of our life's greatest pain and hurt comes from relationships, and the source of our life's greatest healing and hope comes from relationships. And of course, relationships is bound and needs love in order for them to be. And so we're shipwrecked on love. We need it. We were created from it. And yet, it, it's the worst of all of our pain is wrapped up in this idea of love. C.S. Lewis says this. I've, I've quoted this before, but I think it's, it, it's worth repeating. And I'll shorten it just a bit. He says, There's no safe investment to love at all as to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. Then he says, the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. So here we are in this conundrum, this quandary of love and its importance in our lives and our, in our, it's, it's, it's necessary for us. It's like the air that we breathe. And yet it's this thing that so many of us have had difficult time with. So today what I want to do is I want to try to frame this theologically because uh, I think that 's important for us to understand a little bit about God and, and love and how that fits together, and then just some real practical thoughts and you could probably go on for hours and hours and hours on about love but i 've just thought of three that i 'd like to offer to you for your time and uh, you know do the Vikings play today i don 't even know, so maybe 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 they do, and you 'll be able to watch them so um, first. <clears throat> I would say this, uh, and I would say it maybe this way, the shape of God is love. If If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. At the end of the Bible, right before Revelation, we get this book from a guy named John. And in chapter 4, verse 8, he says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So maybe you could say that the shape of God is love. In the very the essence, at the foundational level, the fundamental level of what God is as a being is love itself. Uh, if you've ever read Richard Rohr, he's a, a lovely, lovely gentleman, uh, I think he's a Franciscan priest, he writes this, and I'm pretty sure he's been listening to the Awakened podcast, because I think I've said this before, I'm, I guarantee you he's listening in. He says, God is not a noun nearly as much as God is a verb. We've always thought of God as an autonomous, supreme being, rather than as being itself, as energy that moves within itself, Father, beyond itself, Christ, and drawing us into itself, the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say that love is where we came from, and love is where we are going. When we live in love, we will not be afraid to die, for we have built a bridge between worlds, and as Paul says, love does not come to an end, love never fails, 1 Corinthians 13. So if you, if you know anything about God from the scriptures, it says that God is love, the very nature, the very essence, the being that we're talking about. When we say, when we utter the word God, this thing that we say is God is love, is what the scripture says. So the shape of God is love. Now, if you flip back to the other end of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, we find something interesting about humanity which is mind-blowing when you really stop to think about it. Genesis 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind, humankind, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, the creatures that move along the ground. There's There's a translation of the Hebrew Old Testament called the Septuagint, and in Greek, the word for image is the word icon. So maybe you could say that we are the image bearers or we are the icons of God. What does it mean to say that? That you and I as human beings are the image bearers of God. We are the impressions of God's being. So God, if God is love, as the scripture says, and then God creates humankind out of this image that God is or this essence that God is, then we are Image bearers of God, which means that you and I, fundamentally as humans, are made to give and receive love. And when we don't, or when that doesn't happen, we become less human. If you've ever uh, read anything about feral children, I actually have done this, which seems really odd and bizarre. I do this in my spare time, I read about feral children. But feral children are, are kids, children that are essentially raised by animals or left totally, un uh, they're, they're abandoned. And what scientists have found with feral children is that there are two things that every human being needs in order to actualize, in order to become a self, in order to be human. One is language, the capacity to speak and encode Memory in a language, in words, so that it's understandable and transferable among people. So in order for humans to become humans, we have to have language. But the other thing is, in order for a human to become human, is love, affection. When you withhold or withdraw affection and love from a baby, it's only a matter of time before they become less and less and less human. They revert to animal-like behavior. They become less human. So we are, God is love, and humans are created in the image of God, which means that you and I are made, hardwired in our DNA, to give and receive love. And when we don't, we become less and less and less human. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to love, then? A couple of thoughts. One, I would say, to love is to Sacrifice. To love is to sacrifice. If, if love is anything, it is sacrificial. To love something is, to, is to, to desire or put something else before you. Sacrificial. It's interesting that the first usage of the word love in the scriptures comes from Genesis 22, and it's a bizarre story. Uh, it's Abraham and his son Isaac, if you remember this story. Now, we could spend a whole series on this particular Bible story, which is not one that I typically like to tell my kids, you know what I mean? Anybody ever thought, like, this is a weird one, right? God asks this guy, Abraham, to take his son, the one son who's connected to the promise of this great nation, and kill him on an altar? Bizarre. Now, there's lots of very interesting, Kierkegaard wrote a whole book on this particular story. It was a really trippy one for him. Um, But... Be that as it may, the first usage of the word love in the Bible is Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, Hinani, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you ahava, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Little side note, I think that this is a story about, the, about what kind of God we're talking about here, who in the end doesn't require you to sacrifice your son, but rather there are many other gods around who are asking that of you, and that's totally normal, but that's an, that's an aside. So God, I- at least in this particular story, the first usage of the word love is a father who takes his son whom he ahavas, whom he loves, and sacrifices him for something greater. Love is sacrifice. I was just talking to a woman recently who uh, got married later in life, I think nearly at 50, and she was telling me about this story, and uh, she had every plan to do a PhD and to teach at a college level, and, and this was her track. This was like where she was going, and she had no desire to be connected to a husband, and this was her deal, and that, that was it. And She was really excited about that, and then she met this guy, and love changes everything, and As she tells the story, there was a sacrifice of something that she really, really was looking forward to, in order that she might love this one who has had been brought into her life. Love is sacrifice, if it's anything. I would also say that to love is to forgive. Love is to forgive, and if, if I'm sure that if you've uh, if you've ever been a part of a relationship, you've learned that forgiveness is going to be a part of it. Yes. so I think this is what C.S. Lewis is getting at in the four loves, because to love is a dangerous thing, because in the end, you and I, I've met you, you've met, you've, you've, you've met me, we're all fractured and broken, and if you get close enough, you find that there are pretty rough and sharp edges, and we all draw blood. It's just, unfortunately, what we do. And so to love, or maybe more accurately, to love again is to forgive, You can't, nobody in their right mind would put themselves out there again and again and again in love without learning how to forgive. It's impossible. And so to love is to experience and to learn how to offer forgiveness to one another. Any parenthood watchers out there? Yes, yes, yes. Parenthood is like, you should watch this show. I don't endorse a lot of TV shows, but this one, you should watch it. They just nail this, uh, like on every level, what it means to be part of a family and marriages and kids and parents. Oh, it's dynamite. I love it. I'm not going to ruin. Any, I'm not going to you know, crash anything for anybody. I won't give anything up, But I just have to share this one particular moment. Uh, in a, a couple weeks ago, there's Ju- Joel and Julia are one couple in this family, and Joel is my man crush. I love this guy. <laughs> he is just awesome. I mean, just like a man's man. I, I was like, you know, the beard. I mean, I'm trying, but his is just fantastic. <laughs> so there's Joel and there's Julia, and they're having marital issues, and they're separated. And so Julia is talking to Mom, Millie. And she's you know, pouring out her heart and she's like, I don't know if I can go back. I don't know because she says, I don't know if I can give him another chance because the first time we were really tested and I needed him to be strong, he was weak and he walked away. And the mother looks at her and she says, oh, Julia, you know what marriage is about, don't you? Forgiveness. The whole thing. It's like one big long exercise in forgiveness. <laughs> so any of you who are looking to get married, good luck. It's going to be a ton of fun, I promise. <laughs> but isn't that it? She nails it. To love is to forgive. You cannot do one without the other. I would say also, maybe in, in closing, to love is to be un relenting. There's this great story, again, a little bizarre, but great story in the book of Hosea in the Old Testament, where God asks this prophet Hosea to go and find this woman named Gomer. Any pregnant women out there have got a good name for you, Gomer. Give that one a go. It's a bummer, but go find Gomer, who is a prostitute, and marry her. Like, take her as your own, covenant yourself to her, marry her, God says to, to Hosea the prophet. And so uh, in chapter three, verse one, it says, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. After she had been married to Hosea, she leaves and, and goes and does what she does. And God says to Hosea, go and love her again, even after she has left you. In chapter 2, we find Hosea, or excuse me, we find Gomer chasing all of these things that in the end don't satisfy. There's this great uh, line from a a song by Derek Webb, because I'm so easily satisfied by the call of lovers less wild. Verse 5 of chapter 2 says, I will go after my lovers, she's speaking, who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, because that's what you're looking for, right, wool and linen, and olive oil and my drink. Regardless of what's happened and what she's done, Hosea is asked to be her uh, spouse again, to go and love her again. And it's a bizarre story, except when you start thinking about God's love for us and how it is unrelenting. I have a daughter who uh, many of you know, and uh, recently she got this idea in her head to do a rap at the school talent show. <laughs> My Caucasian, red-haired daughter <laughs> got an idea to do a rap at the school talent show. And got this in her head, and she's like, I'm doing it. We're like, all right, okay. So T. Swift, Taylor Swift, shake it, off, shake it off. Shake it off, shake it off. You know what I'm talking about. The most recent debate at our house was the new the new number one. Did you guys know that Taylor Swift is the first woman to ever replace herself as the number one on the Billboard music charts. Just a little-known fact. That's free for today. The new song is called um, uh, Blank Space, right? Baby, I've got a blank space. I'll write your name. <laughs> Does anybody know what she's talking about? What do you, I think it's tattoos. I think, you know, I've got a blank space. I will write your name. That's, that's, that's my theory on this one. I've, I'm, I'm going public with it. Um, <laughs> we'll see. And nobody else thinks so, but I think it's tattoos. Okay, Taylor Swift, shake it off. Back to the story. They get, so there's this other little guy named Maddie B who writes these like redoes these songs and he keeps the chorus but then he raps the verses, right? So Maddie B, a version of Shake It Off. Hallie's got this other girl who is going to sing the chorus part and she's going to do the rap. So the night comes and they're up there they're doing the deal. Said partners a little behind the beat unfortunately. Hadley gets the mic and just slays it. I mean, absolutely kills it, nails it, lays it down. She's doing her little thing, you know, like, dog oh, gangster. It's like, what in the world? And I, I, I've seen it on video. I'm horribly, you know, mortified that I had to miss this. But, you know, people are looking at Laura like, who is this child, you know? And we're like, I know, it's awesome. Shake it off, shake it off. This kid gets an idea in her head and just will not let it go whether it's, you know, buying a sucker at the store or going to do Shake It Off or, like, I wonder if you're the idea that's gotten into God's heart that God just will not let go of. And I know that this season brings up a lot of anxiety and emotions and hurt and pain and joy and excitement. It, It gets it all out there on the table. And so I guess I just would be one to remind you this morning that the love of God is unrelenting. Whatever you have experienced or heard or been told that says otherwise, I want to challenge that respectfully and I want to offer another possibility. That the story of God in the scriptures is of a God who does not stop. Who always pursues, who is unrelenting. And so to love is to be unrelenting. It is to not give up. It is to pursue the one who does not deserve to be pursued, which is you, by the way, and me. So this season, as we close and as we begin Advent, we're reminded that God is love and we as humans are created in the image of this God to give and, and receive love is to be human. And I think many of us, especially this time of the year, put up small, sometimes large fences around ourselves to protect ourselves for good reason. But I want to offer you an invitation to take one step towards love this Advent. Advent where maybe the room is totally dark but there is just one flickering candle that gives light to a room I want to invite you to take one step towards love maybe it's a conversation with somebody maybe it's a family member maybe it's a co-worker maybe it's some difficult situation you find yourself in but to take one step towards whatever love looks like in that situation and I've find it fitting that today as as we close it's the last Sunday of the month which traditionally we celebrate communion on at Awaken where we take bread and we dip it in a cup these simple elements that are a picture and a reminder of God's unrelenting love for you and for me where forgiveness is offered and sacrifice is made for you for me and so when Jesus was with his friends he took took bread and he broke it And he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. And he took a cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is a cup, a covenant in my blood for you, a new covenant. Whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. And so as you come this morning, maybe in your own heart, there's something that you feel you're being invited to, to take one step towards. Maybe even as an act of, Solidarity, or as as a physical representation of that, I would invite you to walk towards the table of communion and to receive grace and forgiveness, and sacrifice and love. So I'll ask the ushers, uh, or those that are. We don't have ushers here. What am I talking about? (laughs) Sorry. The other day I was doing this video for St. James, this place we're going, and I said, like, you know, I'm just so blessed. I'm like, I never say blessed. What am I doing? the communion servers if you are doing that i ask you to come forward and uh, let me offer a word of prayer Uh, and then as you uh, so choose i'd invite you to come and dip there's red wine and white grape juice there's gluten-free bread upstairs by the bar so pray with me if you would god as we take this time uh, this rhythm in our life together as awaken where we come to this table we are reminded of your love your achava for us that is faithful and covenantal and long and enduring and unrelenting. And so God, as we dip these simple elements of bread in a cup, would you invite us, by your Spirit, to take one step towards love, whatever that looks like in our lives. And maybe it's one that needs courage and one that will require grace I pray you would give that where needed but remind us God of your love of your sacrifice of your forgiveness of your never stopping unending always chasing us love meet us here we pray invite you to come you guys sound amazing today. It's so fun to hear you. If you're new to Awaken, one of the things that uh, that I love about my job is communion. And when the kids come down to the front, um, the rabbis used to say to the little boys and girls, may the word of God be like honey on your lips. And so we've decided that we'll, we like that tradition. And so we have made it ours. And so the kids come and I say, may the word of God be like honey on your lips. And sometimes they say, I know, or yum, are a couple of my favorite responses. But may you experience the word of God, the life-changing, transformative, beautiful, alive words of God. And may they be like honey on your lips. May they nourish you. May they satisfy you. May they be sweet. Grace and peace to you all. I love you. Welcome to Advent. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Community or on Twitter at Community. See you next time.